Greetings, 7 Second Delay fans. Tonight is the first episode of uh, an experimental series in which 7 Second Delay fans interview Andy Breckman and myself. Andy is in Toronto, on the west side of Toronto, on the lot where they are shooting the Monk movie. I leave it to WFMU listeners in Toronto to track down and taunt Andy through the fence. Uh, Tonight we air two interviews, two of the first ones we did. Uh, The first one that we're going to air is by Daniel Scheide, who informed Andy and I that Seven Second Delay is apparently very, very popular with the vampiric community, as well as Andy's uh, hit TV show, Monk, also being very, very popular with the vampires out there. Uh, You'll be able to detect that uh, Andy suffered from some of the same problems during these interviews as he did, as he does during the show. Uh, Primarily that he does not know how to begin a show or begin an interview. So here is the uh, awkward beginning of our, of Daniel Scheide's interview with me and Andy. I think we've definitely, no, I, I don't know if I agree, Uncle Ken. I think okay. we've definitely started. Oh, we have started. Well, I did my early onset dementia stick. Okay. I was late to lose. Then, uh, Daniel, I stand corrected. We're already on the air. Uh, this okay. has already begun. I have no problem uh, being an expert on vampires because I am an expert on vampires. Andy has a bit of trouble acting and pretending. And I'm that. An expert. I'm an expert on Ken Friedman, who is an expert on vampires. So I'm, by proxy, just one vampire expert removed. I saw, um, now tell me, uh, uh, tell me about the, this project, or as much as you're comfortable telling us about the project. Oh, it's just uh, a film, you know, I recently turned 15 and I was like, oh, thinking about how I've been in a creative rut and I just wanted to do something, you know, fun with some friends. And it's gotten kind of out of hand and I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I just uh, wrote a script and I blackmailed some people into performing it. And um, I'm kind of, is it a scripted vampire story? It is mostly scripted, but we're doing some sort of a lot of improv stuff and that has been going surprisingly well, actually. So fantastic. And then um, has it has, have you completed uh, uh, the film or are you in, it's a work in progress? It is a work in progress. I've done the local filming and I've done part of the stuff by Zoom and I'm going to be going to some various other places to film, uh, which I just did to make matters more complicated, I guess. So yeah, it's kind of, I'm hoping to have it done by, you know, late summer, early fall. And uh, what is your working title? Uh, well, I don't like to tell people the title because I think that scares people away from the film, but actually that does lead into my first question for you. Okay. So my 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 working title is Seduced by a Vampire. I love that title. And um, so my is first question- tagline, Is your tagline, this movie sucks? No, that, that it was actually going to be uh, Seduced by a Vampire, the Daniel Scheide story. But I thought the that Daniel would frighten Scheide. people. That would be me. That would be me, yes. Daniel Schneidey? Schneidey, yes. That's, that's his all, name. That's my name. That's, oh, I'm sorry. I yes. completely, I blanked on your name. And that's I, okay. I apologize that's okay. for that. But oh, that does, that it does is a great. In, it is a great sorry. title, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. But that does lead into my first question for you folks. Um, have either of you been seduced by a vampire? Well, I sure love, there, there are certainly a lot of vampires I've, uh, I've loved. I guess mostly cinematic vampires, Klaus Kinski's uh, Nosferatu in the Herzog movie. Excellent one, excellent one. I was going to say that. I was going to say that too, but I couldn't pronounce uh, the name of the movie. I also loved Gary Oldman. Um, can't remember the name of that movie, but he was—I'd say he was the best one ever. But in your personal life, I think is is my question. That's a... um, I've been seduced by vampire squids. While swimming, fair enough. Fair enough. Where they've they've uh, <laughs> grabbed a hold of my lower reaches. Ken. Yeah. That was that was me. Was it? Yeah, I was in the lake swimming next to you. Remember? And I 
That was no squid. You pranked me? That was my impression. I don't do a lot of impressions, but that was my impression of a vampire squid. Uh, Daniel, I, I apologize. Uh, I guess I haven't been. No, it's okay. Seduced Nothing by... to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. By a vampire squid. Yes. And I take it that's a no from you, Andy. That's a... vampires. Um, tell me about the vampires MO. I, I don't recall. I'm sure I'm my memory's not what it was. I don't recall being seduced by a vampire. Does a vampire seduce its victims? Uh, or does a vampire just lunge and attack its victims? No, often no, no. Vampires are very big on consent. You know, they, often they can't they, enter someone's home unless they've been invited. No, well, wait a minute. Don't they just fly in as bats over the? No, table? they have to be invited inside. Andy, is that a is wait? Is that just courtesy, or is that one of the rules of vampires? That's part of the vampiric code. Listen, I mean, you're you're a human. You have the ability to just knock somebody over the head with like you know a, a blunt object and drag no, them into your basement. No, Daniel, you wouldn't you know, do that. You wouldn't you need a wooden stake? You can't just knock a vampire out. He'll turn into a bat. He'll fly around the room. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that you are a human. Yes. And you, as a human, have the ability to knock somebody over the head with a blunt object. But you yes. wouldn't do that because that oh, would be I wrong. See. Oh, I see. You mean it's against their code of... So, you know, a vampire just doesn't go around biting people randomly. They're not so savages. Not intrinsically evil. Well, there are there are dark vampires. And, and light vampires, but, you know, the vampire only needs to in, uh, get your invitation to enter your home. If you're out in a public park, you know, or a water park or, you know, some public place, uh, the vampire can just jump out from behind a doorway and attack you. And some of them do that. You mean, you mean vampires, they have no, they, they, they have no uh, compulsion against attacking someone in, in public. It depends. If they're hungry, well, they might do that. But if the home, how about the, the vampires distinguish between someone who's renting and someone that owns their home? That's an excellent question. Oh, it's a great question. Well, it doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter whether you're an owner or a renter if you're just walking down the boulevard at the water park. I agree. You're saying that a vampire can attack you at the at the water park. Yeah. But at the home, he defers. He defers. He will. He will not enter uh, without being invited. I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. But suppose you're. Suppose you're house sitting. You're in the house, but it's not your house. Oh, that's a great question. That's a good question to you, Ken. Is it? Is that a good question? That is a good question. Well, we'll have to see the movie to get this and other questions answered. That yeah. will be covered by the movie. I'm trying but... to think. I'm trying to think if there was ever a house sitter in True Blood. And I can't think of anybody house-sitting. Hey, Daniel and Ken, did you ever read the Woody Allen short story called Count Dracula? No. It sounds vaguely familiar, but it's not. Uh... I believe, unless I'm wrong, and I'm not, um, it's in his first collection of stories. And I'll tell you very quickly, I'll tell you the plot. Uh, the uh, Count Dracula the vampire uh, um, uh, uh, waits for it to get dark and then emerges from his crypt and then goes walking around the village looking for victims so he can suck their blood. And he knocks on the door of a, uh, of a couple in the village. And, uh, and while he's waiting for them to answer, he, he realizes uh, it's not nighttime. He's made a horrible mistake. It's a solar eclipse. Oh, uh, so it's only, dark, it's only dark for another few minutes. Ooh. So now he's, now he's panicking and he must get inside and he races inside into this nice couple's cottage and he just flees right past them into the closet and closes the door <laughs> because it's a solar eclipse so that plot idea is off the table then yeah well yeah that's uh i wouldn't uh, say that no i wouldn't say that daniel i would say that you should feel free to use the concept of a vampire dealing with a solar eclipse in this movie it would be very it's very dangerous actually if you think about it for and confusing for vampires um but Daniel, tell me in one line what we call in the business the elevator pitch. Tell me the 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 story, the log line. Of, sounds of, like uh, you're sounds like you're interviewing Daniel, Andy. Well, it's it's called a conversation, Ken. Don't be scared. <laughs> it's just a conversation. How do you spell that? You know, we'll talk later. Okay, Daniel. What is the one line of, of the the uh, the plot of the movie? 
Well, there are, unfortunately, I, I sort of convoluted it and there are sort of several plot lines running through it. It is the um, inability of the star of the film to be seduced by a vampire who wants to be seduced by a vampire. And it also deals with the prejudice against vampires in the state of Florida today. Oh, I see. So you have a little political agenda there as well. Yes, yes. Fantastic. This is a great, great movie. This is, is a great idea for yeah, me. Yeah, is, is the protagonist um, excessively ugly? Yes. Well, that would be me. Okay. Well, so that would, would explain, be... you know, that might explain, because, you know, vampires often have really excellent taste. They do. They, well, yeah. The humans and, well, wait, I found, a little, I found a little flaw in your plot point. I, uh, Daniel, you are a very attractive person. Thank you. So sir. your storyline, your storyline won't quite ring true. Well, he'll that's why it's a tragedy. <laughs> okay. I'm sure they can uh, apply makeup and make you hideously ugly. Yes. Yeah, and then you know, most vampires are fashion mavens, and you know they're they're really put together. I mean, you know, they they know what they're doing, fashion wise, and you know, just socially. So it would make sense. That's, yeah, that's an interesting uh, an interesting take on vampires. Seduced by a vampire. Yes, but I wanted to ask uh, Andy, since you are a uh, you know a movie and uh, television creator yourself, you've created a TV show called Monk, I believe. Yeah, yeah which features yeah. a detective who suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder, and of course, a large percentage of vampires are plagued with arithmomania which is an obsessive compulsive disorder in which the subject is fixated with counting objects. So I wanted to know, was that an intentional shout out to the vampire community? And does that have to do with the fact that the star of your show, Tony Shalhoub is secretly a vampire? Well, you've asked a number of, uh, of uh, insane questions, each one more insane than the last. Yet um, I, I do recall shows where Tony Shalhoub was counting things as he walked down the street. That's true, and I did. I, I have to be honest with you. I didn't know that uh, the character Monk has that in common with uh, with vampires. I do know this about Tony Shalhoub. I don't know whether he's a vampire or not, but I know the only way to kill him is with a wooden stake. I've tried metal stakes, for example, and uh, he just shrugs it off. Where did you put the metal stake? Right to his heart, while oh. he, while he was in his trailer, and it still didn't work. No. No. Did it, did it slow him down at all? Uh, it, you know what? It made him. It made him very irritable. And for the rest of the day, he he was not able to focus on his on his scenes the way he normally would. Yeah. Now that you mention it, now so that it I'm, wasn't a total failure. No, it made him irritable. Yeah. Uh, which is not what I wanted at all. Well, yeah. Next time, use a wooden stake. Of course, it's easier said than done. Right. I don't know where, to, where do you find wooden stakes? How, what, how else can one kill a vampire, according to the lore? With a silver bullet. I think that's or, werewolves. That's werewolves, Ken. You can burn them alive with some. I wish you can, Ken, I wish you could hear yourself sometimes. But, um, you but, know, I think it's interesting that you automatically, both of you automatically view the vampire as an enemy. I mean, they're just ordinary people trying to, you know, have their own lives. They live, they love, they learn. Yeah. They live forever, don't they? Well, yeah, unless, unless they get you know, killed. someone like you comes and stabs them with a, you know, a wooden stake. But uh... um, well, but I, I think in the case that Andy's describing, the vampire that he so feared was also his meal ticket. So I think subconsciously, Andy probably didn't really want to kill Tony Shalhoub, which is why he used a metal stake and not a wooden stake. I just, I was just pretty angry that day. He changed three words in a, uh, in a dialogue in a scene. So, do you think I, that, I, that, for example, I hate it when Ken changes uh, the dialogue that I write for him every week? Sometimes he will deviate and go off by a word or two. I, I rarely do that. You're getting Al better. Almost every word is exactly as written. You're getting Al much better. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that you've noticed. The character of Ken Friedman is is uh, is and probably uh, the character I'm proudest of. Do I you own that character? I created him and own him. Yeah, I made him sort of a a paranoid 
uh, dope head. I think that's uh, a reduction. But would you say that this uh, the uh, the character of Monk's obsessive compulsive disorder is why uh, your show is so popular in the vampire community? <laughs> or is, do you think it may be tied also because vampires are very elderly and that is the yeah, usual demographic the mothers, of the show? I think the mothers of vampires uh, <laughs> enjoy my show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it really is. It's the murder she wrote demographic. Yeah, no, that's true. I used to always joke that uh, we had 8 million sets of eyeballs watching our show last week, 24 million if you count the cats. <laughs> that was my little joke. Um, you know, it's interesting to think about the mothers of vampires. Are they all vampires, Daniel? The oh, mother, well, it, it, I think it depends vampires. on how someone became a vampire. I think it just varies by case by case. I mean, that would be a very, very interesting uh, Christmas uh, dinner, wouldn't it? To have your uh, children home, your three children. One's a doctor, one's a lawyer, one's a vampire. And you have to pretend you love them all the same. But really, you love the doctor more than the others. But it would be, it would be very convenient for a vampire to be a doctor. I mean, there's a lot or of to access. Have a doctor, to have a doctor's sister. I mean, you know, as a as a vampire, you know, being a doctor, you have access to blood banks. You would have, you know. Oh, that's true. Interesting. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, being immortal, it would be very, you know, it wouldn't be so much of a, uh, you know, too taxing to spend those years in medical school. Interesting. That's good advice for young vampires. Is to, uh, is to or even old vampires. Since they're that's right. Old vampires have the time to to go back to school. I think they that's a lot of work to get access to blood. They could just be an EMT um, or a volunteer for a rescue squad and you know or, or an orderly at a hospital and uh, and and get a lot of access to blood that way. Actually, one of the vampires in my film is an EMT. Yeah, Elizabeth Bathory is an EMT. Bathory, that's a famous vampire name. Yes, yes. She well, there are several vampires claiming to be the famous Elizabeth Bathory, and she is one of them. It's kind of a feud between them. So wow, I'm very impressed, Daniel. Yes. I believe I believe uh, she is the real Elizabeth Bathory. What makes you say that? Just a feeling I have, just a hunch. Uh, yeah, well, that, that counts for a lot. And did she become an EMT to have access to to uh, uh, supplies of blood? I didn't think to ask her that. You know, an interesting. I know. As an and interesting she did. Thing, Interesting footnote, when there's a, a crisis around the world, when there's an earthquake or there's a humanitarian crisis, uh, I can't give blood because I'm on medication. So I send sperm. I've been sending bags of sperm to uh, earthquake uh, victims. It's like turkey? Turkey, right. And uh, never get a thank you. Never. I don't think they need sperm after an earthquake. They oh, have... it can't hurt. They have no. They have lots of other concerns on their hand, other than other than infertility. I can't give blood, Ken. I got maybe you didn't hear me. You no, know, I heard. I because I'm on medication. Yeah, what what else can I do? Send money. Oh please, I'm be, I'm trying to be serious. What else can I do? Just send a lot of money. It's not just sperm. It's they can also use the baggies that the sperm comes in. I bet you they're not. If you're just putting them in baggies, they're probably. Yeah. They're probably not even making it all the way to Turkey or wherever. Just one man. I, you know, I'm three or four baggies a week. Well, it's, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought, but. I was thinking of asking the FMU volunteers to chip in. No, please don't do that. If I bring some baggies to the station. No, no, please keep this thing completely at your house. Okay. In, in the room. Okay. The room in the basement. Thanks. Well, Daniel, do you have any uh, final questions? I think we've been uh, yabbering for around 20 minutes. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I just wanted to move away from the topic of vampires for a minute and talk about the lizard man of South Carolina. Uh-huh. Have either of you been seduced by the lizard man of South Carolina? <laughs> well, this, I, I have, I have not. Your, is this your follow-up project, Daniel? Is this your next movie? Well, my my follow up question to that is: Would you be would you ever consider being seduced by the lizard man of South Carolina? Uh, I, I know I that know. he just recently went through a difficult divorce. He's kind of lonely right now. Um, 
I don't have any experience with the Lizard Man of South Carolina, but I I I do recall the Monkey Man of Hoboken, New Jersey, and uh, I I was mildly seduced by the Monkey Man. Have you guys ever heard of the span of the uh, Sperm Man of Madison, New Jersey? <laughs> well, me. I have now. That's me, baby. Yeah. No, I uh, I have never been seduced by. Uh, Wait, what, what, what? The Lizard Man. The Lizard Man of South Carolina. Manuel, his first name. But um, I'm sure I'd remember. Is he a character in your movie? Uh, he is, yes, yes. This is a great movie. This is an epic film. This is already great. Yeah, the, the Lizard Man's one in a million. Now, Daniel, before we go, how can Ken and I help you? You're looking for a little blurb or a quote to drop into your movie? Yeah, just like, you know, little bits of this, like, I'm sure I'm what going can to. I, what can I do to help you? What, what would you like? me to say i'm on camera ken is not on camera what what would you like me to say um do you hear the scratching of nocturnal crabs do you want me to ask you that or do you want me to answer that um both i do i have heard the scratching of nocturnal crabs i uh i thought it was uh i thought it was my wife snoring gently but then when I listened more carefully, I was horrified to realize uh, that the crabs were at my window, the same way Edgar Allan Poe's raven was at the window. And the crabs have come to remind me of, uh, of all the opportunities in my life that have, have been lost and will never be recovered. That's that what is brilliant. Crabs, that's what the crabs mean to me. And Ken, have you, have you uh, heard the scratch of nocturnal crabs? Ken has not. Okay. I have not. And I think Andy's delusional. I think he's once again telling himself fairy tales to make himself feel better. The crabs were coming from inside the house. They were not at the window. <laughs> My theory, because I've heard this story a million times and I've seen how Andy's changed it and embellished it over the years, going all the way back to when he first started telling it, I'm convinced that the crabs were inside the ductwork not at the window. And that is why I love Ken Friedman. That was wonderful. I, I really want to, actually, I do have one more question just because a very close friend of mine is, a, is an obsessive Monk fan. She watches it over and over again. And she has noticed that there is a sort of distinct anti-union theme. Anti-say it again. <laughs> anti-union theme. There is. I bet well, there th is. There's all you know, like bad. You know, the bad guy is frequently a union. Yeah, just like in real life, it's it's probably the key aspect of the show's popularity. Uh, I've <laughs> I've dealt with union public service unions. I'm enough. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of a. I can't think of a better villain. That's really funny. Yeah, because you probably deal with unions all the time. Yeah, I'm on the set dealing with unions. Yeah. Uh, now, anyone that's dealt with unions will applaud me for that. What is your friend's name? Mimi. Well, hi, Mimi. Thanks for watching. You know, it's funny. I get a list of everyone who watches Monk. They, you know, NBC sends me a list. I, I've never seen Mimi's name on that list. Well, she pirates cable, so. Yeah, yeah. she might be watching on, on stolen cable. Yeah, yeah. Good going, phone. Mimi. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, there's a Monk movie that will be released. I'm going to have to make sure it's not released the same weekend as Seduced by a Vampire. Yes. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have some space between the two. But and, and there's no mention of Mimi in the movie, but I'm telling the three of us now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sending this out to Mimi, the movie is dedicated to Mimi. Uh, it won't be on the screen. It won't, I, can, I will never put it in writing. And two minutes from now, you won't remember. No, I, I've already forgot. That's really sweet and generous of you. I'm a sweet and generous guy. I don't get enough credit for that, frankly. No, you don't. Well, thank you, Daniel. No, thank you guys very much. I hope this was uh, helpful for you guys. Who did you like better, me or Ken? Um, you know, I I can't Ken. say right That's now. That's Ken. Because I know that, That's you Ken. know. Any hesitation if, is Ken. If I, if I say Ken, I know that he'll hang up on me. <laughs> and and I just I I still need the recording. Well, we're happy. I'll send, to, you, the, I'll send you the recording. We're okay, happy to so, happy to help. So after after Ken sends the recording, I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the answer. Hey, good luck with this project and future projects. And 
And I look forward to uh, having my assistant watch your movie and tell me all about it. Thank you so much. I think we've definitely, no, I, I don't know if I agree, Uncle Ken. I think okay. we've definitely started. That was listener Daniel Shady interviewing uh, Andy Breckman Man and myself a couple of weeks ago. Andy is in Toronto shooting the new Monk movie for the next six weeks. And while he's away, we are going to be airing interviews that listeners have conducted with us. Uh, if you would like to conduct one, please email me at ken at wfmu.org. All the interviews are done over Zoom. Only one caveat we are not open to doing any more interviews about vampires. We have one more interview to air for this evening, and that is from uh, listener Marie, who was interested in uh, how Seven Second Delay started and how, how Andy and I met. So here is the interview that Marie Dory conducted with me and Andy. So, Marie, this is your interview of us. Um, yeah. So you can start. I, I don't know if you're doing it for a podcast or just personal reasons or whatever, but you can start it off however you want. Marie, is this a podcast of yours? Do you yeah, you no, no. It's just me being a fan. And, uh, you know, I'm a longtime fan of WFMU and I love your show. And, you know, I have told Ken this a long, long time ago. Because uh, we connected on LinkedIn, I just think he's, you know, FMU is amazing, and I attribute it largely to him, you know, kind of getting it together over the years. And then, of course, you know, there's the DJs bringing their magic. But yeah, so so I just was, you know, I love hearing about friendships and relationships, and I just thought it'd be fun to interview you guys. Uh, so this interview is being conducted from up Ken's butt. You are just burrowing your way. Kissing and smooching. And by the way, I yeah. have a movie idea, but that's okay. not why I scheduled this. Okay. I mean, you know, honest to God, I could pitch it in ten seconds. I would, I would love to hear it, but I, I, I add a caveat. I, I'm sort of out of the business, and even when I was in the business, there was nothing I could do for my friends or family. Oh, really? Uh, but, okay, well, but maybe I'll sneak I, it in at the end. But I love hearing uh, good movie ideas, and I do wish you well, and I would be a cheerleader for you. Thank you. Uh, and is that the masturbatorium you're in that I'm seeing? Oh, dear gosh. I am in my uh, house. I am in my basement, uh, the masturbatorium. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, he, no he's not. A, you can come out and say it, Andy. You're not in the masturbatorium. I don't know, I don't know why you're embarrassed to, to admit that. Well, the masturbatorium has to be, for reasons I don't want to go into now, it has to be cleaned every other day. And, uh, well, also there's every, a, every forty-eight hours. There's an exterior. <laughs> there's an exterior window above Andy's head, and there would never be an exterior window in the masturbatorium <laughs> for reasons that I'll have to explain later. Right. Did you? Um, did you uh, ever see? When was that design? word first used? I don't know if I coined it. I'd love. Well, I don't know. If, no, you I know, I know I, I know I know where I first heard it. It was in the it was in the novel in the memoir Running with Scissors by by Augustine Burroughs. Wait, did that predate my first use of it? Yes. Or and, it did? Yes, and oh, then that okay. was and then it was again used in the movie of Running with Scissors. So some kind of zeitgeist, some kind of crazy zeitgeist. Yeah, it's it's in it's in the air, that's right. But I I didn't well, I might have heard it secondhand, but I, I certainly didn't read that, that novel. Unless the novel has a lot of pictures, I don't. I don't read books without pictures. <laughs> no, but yeah, it, was, it coincided with internet porn's kind of takeoff. That word, I, you guess, that word? I guess it did. Running with scissors, I thought that was a Sedaris uh, memoir. No, a Sedaris-like, perhaps. Uh, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a memoir. Now, Marie. Now, Marie. So this is. So you say you're interested. Are you a therapist? You're interested in people's relationships and friendships. You know what? No, no, I'm not. But I actually was going to be. I went to school for that for a while, and then I dropped out. I changed my mind. <laughs> That's uh, how I like to say it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I could. I could tell you'd be a very good therapist. Um, oh. And what? Well, what do you? What do you do now? How do? How do you pay the rent? I am a medical copy editor. I work okay. in pharmaceutical advertising. I'm actually on the clock now. 
Uh, luckily, they can't see me. But yeah, yeah. it's just a job for me. Honestly, either I'd rather be writing. Um, I was a writer for a while, like educational for encyclopedias. Okay, that's how old oh. I am. Well, I won't. I won't. I won't guess how old you are. But wow, an uh, encyclopedia yeah, no, writer. Yeah, it's like encyclopedias. I guess Wikipedia put a kibosh on all of that. Didn't you it? got it. That was the biggest. Uh, and I mean, I, I was actually on Encyclopedia Britannica staff for a little while, and we talked about Wikipedia a lot. It, yeah, there's. I guess you can't. It's hard to compete with that. It's. Uh, but writing, I will say, writing the the great thing about writing is you you don't need permission to do it. You don't need an office to do it. You can do it. Uh, on your own, a lot of your favorite novels were written uh, by writers who had full-time jobs doing something else. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm for, not a creative writer. I like to get paid to write about not like the world. Like I love describing reality. Uh, I have a I have a pretty serious problem with reality, but mm -hmm. I I appreciate I appreciate the, the work you're doing. I like Thank reality. Yeah, I, I, I too. So you can. Uh, I too am fascinated by reality more than fiction. Yes, it's Ken's hoping. I mean, I love Ken's fiction too, but as a writer, I like. But anyways, go on. Ken, when do you expect to be facing reality for the first time? Is, <laughs> that, is that is that on your calendar? Maybe today. In this Maybe interview, today. it's on my calendar. Okay. I'm I'm seriously much more interested in uh, nonfiction than fiction. Both in uh, both in what I read and 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 in what I watch, I could see that Ken. I uh, I do, I also have more patience for nonfiction. But Marie, tell us what is tell us what's the agenda today. Okay, what would you well, like to I ask? just want to ask you some questions and you guys talk. It's pretty Ready? crazy. All right, it's a crazy idea. Take okay. it take it away, Marie. How did you guys ever first meet? Uh, we met when Andy was performing his um, his comic folk act. Uh, he was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I was program director of the college radio station, WCBN. And he came down to the station uh, for an on-air interview uh, to promote his show that night at the venue known as The Ark. Um, and I was sitting in my office listening to him being interviewed down the hallway. And uh, he was exactly the same on the air then as he is now. He completely commandeered the interview and, uh, you know, made fun of everything that uh, that the DJ was trying to take seriously. Um, so that was when we met and then we hung out. And then um, I uh, you hung out after that interview. Yeah, we hung out after that yeah. interview for a few hours. Why did you hang out? Uh, we went out for a, a meal and saw a movie. We we went. Like, and then, I mean, like, why did you even do that? You didn't even know each other up until that point, right? Well, I well, guess I was. Uh, I guess I don't remember it as well as Ken, which is true for almost everything. But I imagine I was I was visiting. I was new in town, didn't know anyone, and uh, I don't know if I had the chutzpah to ask if Ken wanted to see a movie, or we just uh, you probably asked. I mean, we went out to grab a meal we just went to a fast food place for lunch and right. uh, i'm sure you i'm sure you suggested going to see the movie we saw nighthawks with sylvester stallone and uh, euro right. euro trash terrorists and the roosevelt island tram that was that was, <laughs> that the, was a, now ken had ken had to change his plans he had a night of whoring uh <laughs> scheduled uh so he put off his whoring uh for a for a night. And, yeah, just uh, for one night. Me. Maybe you're yeah. trying to save him. No, but like, um, so you had Maybe. lunch. And you did you get along right away, or what did you think of? Did you have thoughts like, wow, he's so funny? Like, well, did you think that can, or what were your thoughts? Well, Andy has no memory of this at all. Okay. Correct, Andy. I have no memory of it at all. But yeah. and, but I would also I would also argue that I so I can't verify Ken's version of this at all. Maybe, Ken, maybe you've just told this story so often. Maybe you're remembering not the actual incident, but you're remembering the the stories that you've told about it. Uh, yeah, I generally don't do that. I've, I've got a really good memory. I, I can I can remember the the mall we went to, the restaurant we went to. We went to an Arby's. We went to an Arby's? You remember that? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Arby's oh, God. Well, that must have been. Right? Like, is that well, real that... meat? <laughs> 
I don't know, but that must be love. I only take people to Arby's if I'm really, really in love. Yeah. I remember the smell of those buns. And the smell of those distinct, the smell of those buns. Smelling buns. But anyway, well, but anyway, then then Andy and I kind of parted ways. I did see him perform another uh, couple of times, I think, when he was in Ann Arbor. But then we totally lost track for decades uh, until I saw his name and his phone number, or his name and a phone number, on the desk of the program director at WFMU, who at the time was David Newgarden. Um, and I asked David, how, why did he have Andy Breckman's name and number? How uh, many years later was this about? Uh, at least 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, at least 10 years later. Okay. So, so I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, and, and David told me that it's because uh, Andy was interested in doing a show. So I just started lobbying David to make sure that Andy came in and did an audition tape and all that. Because you really thought like he could have a good show. Yeah, I thought he was hilarious. I, I remembered him from, you know, having met him and, and seen him perform. You know, I thought, yeah. I thought he was hilarious. And, and Andy, did you remember or know that Ken was at WFMU? No. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. I had an assistant. I, I, I used to hire assistants to, uh, to help me write. And... Uh, I had a young assistant named Will Baum, B-A-U-M, talented, uh, funny guy. And uh, he was in a band. Can't remember the name of the band. But the band had a relationship with the station. Right. He, was in, was, he was in the band Love Child, which was on Homestead oh, Records, yeah. which was a, oh, la my gosh. a label that David had a really close relationship with. So, yeah. Well, there's, 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 your, there's your proof about, that's your proof about Ken's memory. And, yeah. and, uh, and. And Will, one afternoon, was going to go to the station. Maybe they were going to do an interview or a concert in the, in, in the studio. This is back when the station was still on campus at Uppsala College. And I, I did mention to him that I always, you know, I always kind of wanted to try to do a, a radio show. I had no radio experience at all. I even had trouble listening to the radio. I was I was that uh, you know I, I was that un, so much a newbie. Uh, I couldn't figure out how to dial it in or change the stations. I just didn't know much about radio. And wait, uh, wait, uh, wait a second. Are you yeah. serious? You couldn't figure out how to operate a radio? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to. I, I had I had trouble operating radios. Uh, so that's how much of a of of a rookie I was. Uh, you've never had a rookie like that. I've Someone never even in, heard of somebody who had trouble operating a radio. So well, the radios, the radios I bought had more than one knob. There were often three knobs. And then in the car, my radio had not just the knobs, Ken, but uh, multiple buttons. Uh, so it wasn't just <laughs> one big knob. Oh, okay. I see. And then there's All this right. thing that moved along as you twisted the knobs, like right, like. Uh, well, I never got, I never got that, I never got that far. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get up to that. <laughs> Excuse me, Ken, I didn't, I didn't go to college and major <laughs> in electronics. <laughs> uh, like so anyway, I went to the station with, with my assistant Will Baum, and. Uh, and I so did why did you go to the station? Well, I went with I, I accompanied Will Baum and for the, and to meet uh, people there and to uh, and to ask what would be what I'd have to do to get a show or to be considered for a show. And why and did you I want did, a show? Well, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I guess I was maybe I am inherently ambitious. Uh, maybe I maybe I'm narcissistic enough to narcissistic enough to you know want the attention. I. Um, Oh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking of it, no one's ever asked me that. Why did I want to show? You know, I guess I had recently given up performing. I used to perform regularly, and I had given that up. I was just writing at the time. So maybe I missed uh, uh, performing in my life uh, more than I will ever want to admit I missed it. Uh, so that was the impulse there, perhaps. But anyway, I went and I signed up, and there was an audition process. And I did go through the audition process. I believe before I uh, before I hooked up with Ken, I went through the audition process, and I killed it. I just killed that audition. <laughs> I did fantastic. They never heard it. You remember they, what you did? No, all I remember is how great I was. Ken, do you remember what you did? <laughs> yeah, I still have the tapes. 
Oh, wow. Oh, okay. no. That, oh, 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 if Ken still has the tape, I have to amend my previous one. <laughs> what did he really... do, Ken? Uh, oh, geez. You know, there, there were a number of first shows that Andy did. Yeah, they were. Uh, they were pretty pretty raw. Yeah, and I think maybe the first show might have just been on on tape. It might not even have been on the air. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I can't um, even imagine what it was. I do remember one show I did. There used to be a cartoon every day in the paper called They'll Do It Every Time. Oh, yeah. Or, or the, And uh, people would send in uh, a suggestion uh, for the cartoon. And the people who sent in suggestions, they were named, they were listed by name at the bottom of each cartoon every day. And I do remember one show where I called the people up and I asked them how getting a cartoon in an in you know in a syndicated comic strip changed their life. Huh. I don't and think I, that was your first show. I what what I remember as your very first show is I think it was either with Will Baum or with David Newgarden as your co-host, not as me, because I was listening as I was driving. And I think it might have been the first time you were on the air live taking calls, which really to me was your very first show. And and I remember what you did, which was uh, something we've done actually since then, too. You solicited ideas for movies. You solicited movie pitches from listeners. And we took them very quickly. Uh, and then at the end of the show, you called up a uh, an agent friend of yours. And we, we uh, re-pitched the three best ideas. That sounds like a great um, idea. Yeah. Great. Well, you would, well, Marie, I'm sorry that I missed, uh, I missed you because I know you have uh, some movie ideas, too. Uh, but you would have you would have fit right in on that idea. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, right from the get go, Andy was always trying to come up with these, you know, stunt like, you know, stunt like or audience participation um, concepts that nobody had ever, you know, <laughs> tried on the radio before. And it always had to have an ending, just like that very first show had an ending calling up the Hollywood, the real Hollywood agent, uh, you know, with the top three ideas and seeing which one he liked best. Yeah. No, that is, that is a dynamic, a format that I, I did like. I can't claim I invented it, but I, I do like it. What else? What else, Marie? What else can we do? So, for you? so well, wait. So Andy's first show was basically a call-in show. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've been doing. Yeah, we've been doing the same show. Uh, wait, it was a, a solo very, though. It was just Andy. No, and... no, no. I had a, I had a different co-host. I've 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 occasionally done a few moments solo and i it's it's terrifying for me i don't yeah. i i don't know how i don't know how people do it yeah and, i think the very you know, first the very first audition tape that andy made he was solo but the first time he was on the air he was with i think will baum uh taking phone calls and how did ken get into the mix you well, know ken just ken just is shameless like that he just uh <laughs> when he, when he, when he, yeah, when he wants something, he'll just roll. He'll steamroll over anyone and anything, you know, to get his his way. You know, yeah. he's so charming about it. He's so yeah. charming about it. The other people, you know, people don't get angry at him. What what what, him what happened was Will Baum uh, was Will Baum was uh, doing it, but then he decided to move to L.A. Uh, for his career. So he left. He's suddenly out of town. And then our, our program director at the time, David Newgarden, who was also FMU's music director for a long time, uh, he didn't want he did it a couple of times with Andy and said, I can't do this anymore. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he asked me if I would take over just long enough to, to, to teach Andy how to engineer for himself, because the other call in shows we had on FMU at that time did not have two co-hosts. It was uh, one person, such as Chris T on Aerial View, engineering for himself. So initially, I was just supposed to be there for two or three weeks to uh, show Andy the ropes and how to engineer. And um, how did that go? It didn't go at all. It was obvious from the very first show that there was no way this guy was going to be able to engineer for himself. Well, I could have, but I just didn't. You have to believe me. I just didn't care enough to learn. <laughs> You have to believe. I, I don't I know that. I don't know that you could have. We have had people who haven't been able to engineer, and uh, I think you would have been like them. Probably. And so, did you have a kind of a chemistry there? Did you notice, like, hey, we got a decent rapport here? Well, I've, I willed myself, just sheer sheer force of will, to uh, to like 
can. Be able to stand being in the same <laughs> room. To enjoy, I, I just willed myself to look for his, his positive quality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was and it still, the it was a call-in show all the way through? Yeah, it was a call-in show. Marie, how long have you been listening to the station? Oh, well, wait, I want to know before I forget. Did you ever rebroadcast those early shows, Ken? Yeah, yeah, but the early, er, but there's a lot of very a lot of missing ones from the first five years. There's mm-hmm. probably more missing shows than we have uh, tapes of from the very yeah. from the first five years. I bet the listeners would like to hear that. I know I would love to hear some of them. No, no, they wouldn't. No, no. no I, I there's how a, long. There's a lot of them in the archives. There's a lot of the early shows in the archives. And I think if you listen back to when, whenever we air a really old seven second delay, one thing that uh, people comment on is that Andy sounds much younger. Uh, they never say that I sound younger, but they do say that Andy sounds younger. And I don't think it's because as, you haven't aged, Ken. I think it's 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 not Andy's voice that's aged. It's just early on he had a level of optimism and enthusiasm, and and he was committed in a way that like went out the window, you know, probably yeah. by by year two thousand. Well, um, the world the world the world beat it out of me. Maybe now, you Marie, could call that relaxing. Yeah, I, I relaxing. Hey, Marie, what? How? When did you start listening? Uh, I believe it was in the early nineties. And I was uh, living in New York at the time, and it was a boyfriend who turned me on to it. And he was a big fan of um, Dave the Spaz and um, the Hound. He had good taste. And um, I started... He had good good taste in chicks, too, if you don't mind. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Andy. Um, Yeah, I started listening, and then I moved back to Chicago, where I'm from, and I couldn't listen for a few years, and I was so excited when... I could start listening again online. I just loved it. You know, I really love, uh, you know, listen to WFMU from Chicago. Well, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the dial and the little line that uh, allows you to change the station. I can, yeah, I like recommend. You can see it as it moves along the yeah, number. I recommend, I recommend trying that, uh, Marie, uh, giving that a whirl. Because there are lots of <laughs> well, wonderful. Unfortunately, I can't do that because I can't get WFMU on my radio anymore. Okay. You listen online. Uh, yeah. Now, what else? We we have a few minutes left. What else uh, is? What else can we do for you? Well, I guess. Um, let's see here. Uh, so, how did you become friends outside of the show? You just grew to like each other, kind of. You grew to withstand each other. What happened? Well, I guess it's like an adopted. I guess it's like a divorce situation uh, where uh, I get to see my dad uh, one hour a week, <laughs> <laughs> and you just buy, and you just buy, you know. You know uh, divorced kids that uh, have weekend visitation rights. Ken and I saw each other one hour a week and occasionally for a meal, uh, you know, on weekends uh, or, you know, we're going to see. Did you enjoy your initial participation? What's that? Did you enjoy your initial participation or you, oh, well, yeah. you were just there to kind of fill in the blank because David didn't want to do it anymore? Well, initially, yeah, but we definitely became friends. Um uh-huh. And uh, I would say I would I would say I am I'm a uh, uh, who wrote the tipping point. Oh, Gladwell. Oh, Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell, Yeah. You know, in his in his book, Blink, he talks about how you you size people up very, very quickly in in life, you know, Uh, and I believe in that. I believe I'm a very quick judge of character. I'm usually. Wait, And I wanted to ask you your initial thoughts about each other. Well, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember meeting Ken. That's true. My memory is bad, but I can tell you that I must have instantly uh, sensed this is a kindred spirit. I, I judge people. I'll tell you a very quick story. When I'm in a uh, when I'm in a restaurant and I'm ordering, uh, you know, from a, and the waiter comes up and takes my order, I always do the same thing. I hold the menu upside down and I say to the waiter, "Excuse me, my menu is upside down." <laughs> I always do the same thing. Because I just want to say, because it's a test. I really love is, that. Well, it really is a test. I want to see if the waiter will play along. We'll say, I'll get you another <laughs> menu, sir. I want to see if the waiter will laugh. I'm sure I your whole family every, is like, they're ready for dad to do that. Well, they, they're sick of it, of course. But but it's my test to see who I'm dealing with. Is this a, is this a person who gets oh, me? I feel sorry will, for your waiters. Yeah, I feel very sorry for them, too. Is this a, and. This is a person who will play along. And that's when I meet anybody, including you today. 
when I meet anybody, I always find a way to test them. Uh, initially, I, I I say something stupid or, or I make a joke or I bounce an idea off them or I ask them a provocative question. And I just want to test them as I put feelers, it's like putting feelers out, uh, like an ant will have a little, you know, a feelers yeah. uh, antenna <laughs> out. And and I must have done that for Ken. And I can tell you, without remembering the specifics, that I immediately must have seen he was a kindred spirit. He would play along. He would, in my parlance, he would hit the ball back, you know, when you play volleyball. Yeah. Some people can some people can bounce the ball back over the net. And Ken is Ken is is uh, someone that at least as far as I'm concerned can hit the ball back over the net. And uh and I know that must have been my first impression although I can't specifically remember it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I just, you know, I, I remember, uh, uh, you know, I, I knew Andy as a performer and, you know, from meeting him in the early 80s or 1980 or whenever it was. And uh, I, you know, always thought he was very funny. You know, then it became, clear. you know, then other things started about him started to reveal themselves to me. Um, and also our dynamic started to <laughs> reveal itself to me. And it just kind of hooked me in. You know, we had this really... Uh, you know, I think we mentioned to somebody who we were talking to yesterday, we had this strange uh, rotating dominance where the upper hand would get passed back and forth between us or in many ways, yeah. he would, in many ways, <laughs> he would be dominant and then I would be dominant. Yeah, I know our show. Ken is very competitive and our show is very much like a contest. And sometimes when we have Ken versus Andy shows, I know Ken takes it very, very seriously. <laughs> And uh, that's a big part of the dynamic. Also, I would say uh, the hand job cemented our relationship uh, pretty that pretty very quickly. I would say, wouldn't yeah. you agree? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I mean by transferring the upper hand back and forth. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. You. Well, you know what? I actually have to run. It's it's yeah. just after twelve o'clock noon. Uh, this has been our. This has been our. I would say this has been our best interview ever. Hey, if oh anyone god. wants to. If anyone wants to interview us, like Marie just did, uh, they can contact us at ken at wfmu.org. And you don't have to have a podcast. You can just be uh, a curious fan. Can I pitch my movie idea real fast? Okay, you have, you have 20 seconds. It's an elevator pitch. Yes. Mad German scientist with a thick, funny, or German accent who is in America decides to commit guerrilla research and goes out and does these kind of horrible experiments on people like trying to cure somebody's alcoholism by going into the brain. And he does three things, and he then becomes like a fugitive. And he's um, in America, in small-town America. And he's got like an assistant, and he and the assistant have chemistry. And it's supposed to be kind of funny. Like the dialogue's funny. Did you Do you have a script? Did you I write it? I sound confident. <laughs> Yeah, I actually yeah. have a lot of the script written. Okay, well, maybe somebody's listening. A producer or director is is listening, and uh, if they contact Ken, uh, he'll he'll forward that he'll forward that along. That sounds great to me. It sounds like a comedy. It sounds like a a a, a comedic uh, version of The Stranger. Remember? Yes, the Stranger? and it's got some good music, like "Here Come the Bums" uh, by Snakefinger. It's going to have a really good no. soundtrack, and he's being chased no one, while Andy the loves bums, no bums are chasing him. Andy loves Snakefinger. He affected no a bump. I he was going to say, I think, I think you should cast Christoph Waltz in the main role. I think that would be great, Ken. And so also, and also, there's a new mini series uh, called The Consultant, starring Christoph Waltz, which sounds a I little. Believe, I believe, I believe, Christoph Waltz is a fan of our show and may very well be listening. Are you serious? You're not serious. He's not serious. No, I, I'm not serious. I have I'm making... you guys. I have okay. to run. I Thanks, really Ken. have to Thank go. You guys. Thanks, Marie. Okay. Thanks, Andy. This is great. Work. Bye, Thanks, Marie. Talk Bye now. Bye, bye.
you've been listening to the first in a series of seven second delay listeners interviewing Andy and myself. <clears throat> this is to fill the shows while Andy is in Toronto. Uh, not quite overseeing, uh, lurking, not the right word either, stalking, hanging out outside the lot the movie lot where they are shooting the Monk movie in Toronto, Canada. Andy was trying to pretend that uh, the shoot was taking place in Toronto, France. But now that he's gone, I can uh, tell you that it's actually Toronto, Canada. If you would like to interview me and Andy, I think we have a few more spaces available. One caveat, we don't want to be interviewed about vampires anymore. We feel like we've done the definitive vampire interview, and we also don't want to be interviewed about our origin story. You just heard that right there with listener Marie uh, asking us about uh, the beginnings of Seven Second Delay. But if you have another topic, boilers, uh, lycanthropy, uh, self-flagellation, uh, email me, Ken, at WFMU. Dot O-R-G. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Thanks to Friends of Don Quixote for our theme song. Thanks to Jeremiah for the newsletter. Please stay tuned for Weekly World Blues with Matt Fivash. scale the blue scale is very simple very useful but also very simple to build all you have to do is know your minor pentatonic scales so in this case I was playing a
The blues come so many different ways until it's kind of a hard to explain. Tommy T, 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 Tommy